Hello everyone and welcome to the Arsenal Way, giving you the post-match reaction to Arsenal first Liverpool. Now, I know it's not what we wanted, a 4-0 heavy defeat. It seems like it's been the same again, but there were positives to take from the game and there were negatives. And I'm, I'm joined by Hush Karai, of course. Hush, how are you, mate? Uh, I'm okay, considering the result. Um, I'm trying to look at the positives, like you said. We've had worse drubbings at Anfield in the last few years, so I think I'm feeling a bit better than most Arsenal fans. I'm, I'm trying to be the one cheering people up on the timeline right now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of fans will need that. But Hush, I just want to get your initial thoughts on the game. What did you think about it, the result, the performance as a whole? Um, I don't want to get drawn into cliches and stuff, but it was a game of two halves, wasn't it? Um, the first half, I was really enthusiastic. I think the back five were really compact and solid. I think Tommy Asu started really well against Mane. Um, Ramsdale was making some good saves. Gabrielle and White looked nice and confident. We weren't really giving ourselves enough respite in the attacking third. Every time we went forward, we lost it quite quickly. So Bukai Saka was having a bit of trouble on the right-hand side. Um, you know, it, 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 we can't criticise him because he's been, you know, an absolute revelation for us for 12 months. But you can see there was, you know, a bit of a drop-off for him there. And... We were all, we were talking about the game during it. We were all saying, you know, I'll just keep it nil nil until half time. I think that was the um, that was the big kind of test for us. If we could get to half time with it being level, we could start the second half a bit aggressively and go again. But that that set piece goal was an absolute killer because we defended much harder situations than that. Ramsdale made saves which you know should have been goals, and then to concede from something as you know bread and butter like that you could see on Ramsdale's face he was fuming and um, you can you can tell why because if that goal doesn't go in just you know what was it five minutes before the break I think I the rest of the game looks different I think absolutely I think we were doing so well Ramsdale was pulling off great saves it was going to feel like one of those days where Liverpool Liverpool just couldn't break our defence but it ended up happening in the end with a disappointing set piece and hush I think we have to our first point of the game we really have to touch on this and that is Mikel Arteta's scuffle with Jurgen Klopp now of course it was nil-nil at this point and then a situation had happened between Mane and Tomiyasu and all hell just broke loose on the touchline what were your thoughts on that hush? Before we get to Arteta let's take a moment to talk about Sadio Mane I'm a big fan of his, you know, when he's got the ball, when he's beating players, scoring goals, trying to do dances with Firmino, it's all funny and stuff. But when he's sort of being that instigator, the elbows, the late fouls, was it Tierney last season in the pandemic game where it was nearly elbow into Tierney's face and get anything for it? And, you know, I don't want to come off... I, I, I can you know, see that I am coming off already as that Moany Arsenal fan wanting to go referees after a 4 defeat. But come on. like it, it was like five fouls before he even got shown a yellow. It's something that he does regularly and has not quite you know picked up a reputation for it. And that's, where the, um, that's what led to Nikola Arteta and Klopp's confrontation, mm-hmm. which there's, there's so many ways of looking at this. Um, Jamie Carragher kind of alluded to that Arteta lost that kind of battle of wills. It was Klopp, you know, using that, that little conflict on the touchline to get the because the, what we did was we kept Anfield quiet for forty minutes, which is you know impressive for us. We've not been able to do that for a long time, 
And for 40 minutes, it was not bouncing in there. And unfortunately, <laughs> Arteta got dragged into that little scuffle on the touchline. And yeah, that gave, just injected so much energy and electric electricity into um, the stadium. And that was last five minutes were breathless for us. And we were coping even in that sort of electric cold. We were coping. That's why it was so disappointing to concede from a set piece. But just going back to that, that conflict. There's no win situation there for Arteta because we spoke about it. If you were saying um, if uh, you know he doesn't do that, maybe um, the crowd doesn't come alive and Liverpool don't kick on. But if he sits there and sort of sits on his hands, then he doesn't. You know, we'll criticise him for not having the sort of the steel or the you know stiff upper lip or the kind of backbone to take on the top managers and, you know, back back up his players. Because we are a young team and when we're getting kicked around, it's a little bit different to um, when we had a group of men or, you know, you feel like he really has to look after the boys in that kind of situation. And, yeah, credit to Klopp because um, it's one from the playbook. He's done it to Guardiola how many times? We've seen Guardiola flipping up on the touchline, losing his rag, taking off his cardigan and everything. And I think that's a lesson for Arteta to learn, not to just walk into that kind of, um, those mind games. Because it's the first time he's really been involved in that kind of serious top level, you know, mind chess with a Klopp or a Guardiola or someone like that. Absolutely. I think you touched on it perfectly there, Hush. Like, Arteta could not win in that situation. He's either he battles and then we saw what happened, Anfield awakens, or you hide away in your shell. And once again, Anfield couldn't awaken there because Klopp looked like he was almost coming over him and Arteta couldn't really hide. He had to he had to back his teammates at the end of the day. It's, it's, a, young it's guy. a performance from Klopp. And yeah. I, I love Klopp. He's one of you know the best managers in the world, without a doubt. A great talker. I like you know the things he says on loads of issues and things like that. But let's not get it twisted. He's an absolute performer on the touchline. He loves to, you know, he's had these inst- instances with Pep. He's had them with Jose. Um, even Lampard and him had a pretty much a bit, bit of a fallout. And, you know, Lampard was the young up-and-coming manager, kind of where Arteta kind of find himself now. So he had to take him on. Like, if he didn't take him on, he loses a lot of face. And the next time something happens, he feels like he has to go even more. So it's it's unfortunate. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Just quickly on that, does it does that show Arteta's how he's learnt from Pep Guardiola? Because um, you mentioned before how Pep Guardiola also had the little scuffle at Anfield and went two times, two times yeah, after, yeah. after. Is that Arteta learning from Pep Guardiola there? Is that a positive to look at maybe? I don't I don't know because is it a positive? Because look, again, Guardiola's got, you know less longer than arm of my arm of his qualities, his good qualities. But that stuff, I would say, is probably, you know, some of the bad stuff he does. I would put that in the sort of um, his galaxy brain tactics for the big Champions League matches. Those are the things, you know, Man City fans don't like about him. I wouldn't be too keen on um, Arteta picking up those traits rather than the traits of, you know, winning or producing great uh, football winning matches. Football match winning teams, rather. 
Yeah, of course. And you mentioned briefly, Hush, earlier about how the team is young. Arteta is different for us because if we get bullied and we're very young, you have to approach it differently. And just uh, touching on the inexperience of the midfield today, I think Sambi Lokonga, he started the game very well. But as the game went on, the Liverpool team got more confident and Sambi Lokonga started to show his inexperience. He gave the ball away, I think, three times in the second mm-hmm. half in the space of literally a minute. It just killed us, really. Is that testament to how inexperienced our side is, the midfield? Is that a place we really need to delve into and look at yeah it's I don't again I don't want to be too harsh on Sambi because since the Villa game where you know we should have been harsh on him he you know made a massive mistake him and party did in that game to be fair but his performances since then have been really good I'm thinking of Leicester and um, Watford there were good performances where you know the Granite Xhaka conversation which you know seemingly endless debate about him was you know, we didn't say his name for a couple of weeks and it was nice. And, you know, even, uh, who was it? Was it uh, Vincent Company saying things about Yaya Torre and Sambi? And we got a little bit too excited, sure, but it was nice not having to worry about that. But we were playing teams in and around us. And then when you're, you're put in a you know, midfield battle against Thiago and Fabinho, who are, you know, excellent footballers, Thiago probably played one of his better matches in a Liverpool shirt, to be fair. And it kind of shows the level difference where they've got outstanding players who can do brilliant things in midfield. We're kind of still working things out. We've got, you know, square pegs and round holes and all that kind of thing going on. Thomas Partey's plus one is a problem that just continues to persist. I think... It's we've all decided that Thomas Party is going to be the one that's there because we've put in you know a lot of money into him, his previous performances, his age, his profile, it's all there. So we need to work out how we get the best out of him. We spoke about his performance for Atletico Madrid uh, in the Champions League at Anfield when they knocked him out. You know, I think it was the last game before COVID kind of took over the world. He was excellent that day and played in a kind of hybrid three and a four with um, Koke and Sal Miguez. Um, Sal Miguez since, but we need to find a way to kind of recreate that. And I think that's where Edu and Nikola Teta can sort of sit down, look at January and think. Maitland-Niles came on, Elmeni came on in the second half. They are not the long-term solutions. I think we can all say that without any kind of controversy. So, Xhaka might be for the time being, but you know we need to find something that works that takes us to you know a top four level midfield because the the back five is great. We said we've got Saka and Emma Smith Rowe. We've got a striking situation which is kind of locked up because of contracts and ages. So the central midfield is where we can make these marginal gains and. I think January is a good opportunity to try and find find that that gem or find that partner for part uh, for party, and that's um, basically Edu's number one mission now. Yeah, absolutely, and um, just yeah, because of the midfield frailties, do you think this is the end of the four four two system? Do you think from here now, when we go to big games, we should support Sambi Lukonga and party more, bring in Maitland Niles as well, just to I, I, up a little bit? I don't think so. I, I see where you're coming from. I, I do because it's Liverpool. And they play such a sophisticated, well-drilled game. You, we're not going to 
be drawn apart like that. So the four four two against Leicester away. Leicester are a well coached team. You know they're not in the best sort of reign of form at the moment, but they're a good set up team. Brendan Rodgers is a competent manager, and the four four two was excellent at um, the King Power. It was excellent against Villa. Excellent against Leeds in the cup. So I wouldn't abandon it straight away, but yeah, against you know, there's a, there's a reason why you don't see four four two at the very very highest level, apart from perhaps Diego Simeone's Atletico Madrid, and we don't have the kind of team when it comes to you know Liverpool or City or Chelsea to play our way. We have to kind of adapt to stop them. Um, that's just the you know, reality of the situation, we are just not good enough yet. So the 4-4-2 can only really be the system that works for us when we feel like we'll be sort of controlling the tempo of that match, I think. Yeah, and of course, and with the 4-4-2, we still had two strikers today, but I felt like our presence up front was still lacking. We wasn't winning any balls in the air. We kept throwing it up and Van Dijk and Matic were just bringing everything back. Is that an issue for Arsenal? Maybe in a transfer market, it shows we need a striker who can actually hold the ball up and can do and run behind as well because Lacazette and Aubameyang, they have qualities different to each other, but there's not a, they're not, they can't do one thing or the other. Like Lacazette can't run it in behind, whereas Aubameyang can't hold the ball up. Do we need a complete striker up there? I think so. I, I, we kind of fall on this a lot after our games where because they're so different I think Lacazette had a really good game today like not maybe not a really good game but a good game where he was winning balls back he was you know competitive and he's just in a game like this if Oba doesn't you know score it's really hard to defend his place in the team because his pressing was not completely there. It's because Liverpool are good. I think it's easy to press against Villa or a team that, you know, you can see how they're going to play at the back. There's so much variation in the way Liverpool play. I think it, it didn't quite work for us, but we're stuck. I think we're stuck with those two for the rest of this season anyway. Um, if we do sign someone, it'll be a, a massive kind of statement from uh, Josh Cronky and the board because they've got so many excuses not to make that signing and you know you'd think they'd lean on that side of things if push comes to shove but who knows they might if they do then as much like I was saying earlier as much as central midfield is the place of the team where we can really push on I think if we upgraded in the striking department we could probably get more out of Saka and Emma Smith-Rowe because I think I was a bit disappointed with them today they were kind of caught out defensively because the wide areas, you know, Liverpool are so good with their attacking fullbacks. Simicas did a lot better than I thought he was going to do. I thought we might get a bit of joy down that side, but to be fair, he had a good game himself. So, yeah, um, yeah, someone like um, Isaac from Sociedad would be a dream, but it feels like a dream at the moment. Absolutely. Watch out for the Isaac piece coming out shortly. We do speak about him being a dream signing for Arsenal. But before we end the show, Hush, I just want to get your opinion. What does this defeat mean for Arsenal? Is it a calamity or is it just we brush our brush our knees and we get ready for the next game for Newcastle next week? Brush your knees and get ready for the next game. Look, mm. We're fifth, three points off the top four. Like, if you had offered us, 
offered us that after you know the three first games of the season. What did we lose, lose, lose? Didn't score any goals. We're like minus twelve on the goal difference. I like I started the show saying I think there's not too much to be done about. I'm sure sure it was a you know four 0 defeat at Anfield. It's hard to take. Um, we'll get a lot of people, a lot of rival fans. Will you know we've been chirping up recently. And, you know we've not been had much reason to show you know fair play. So, but you know we're gonna get. 24 hours or probably a little bit more of Chelsea fans, United, or maybe not United fans, but Chelsea fans and Liverpool fans sort of, you know, putting us back in our place a little bit, saying, oh, you got to be excited. But I, I'm, I'm content. I thought we had a good 45 minutes. The second 45 was, you know, a bit of a, a bit deflating because of how badly it went so quickly. But yeah, get back on the bike. We've got Newcastle next week. You saw what kind of game Newcastle had today. I think it was, was it 3-3 for them. So that's going to be a bit of a barn burner. If we can get some goals and goals on the table on in that one. And then, yeah, put another run together like we did after that uh, Brighton game. We can we can easily just get that good feeling back. I don't think it's anywhere near the kind of feeling I've had. I'm just thinking the last couple of years at Anfield. It's been nothing like that, has it? So, small positives. Yeah, definitely small positives. And of course, Eddie Howe might, may not actually be on the touch next week due to COVID complications. So that could go in Arsenal's favour. But of course, we hope he recovers from that. So we shall see. I think we shouldn't be too disheartened by today's result. Of course, for anyone, as you said, Hush is never a good look. But you have to look to the positives and say we are a young side. We're not going to win every week. We've just come off a 10-game unbeaten run. Not everyone goes to Anfield and performs and wins. It's a tough ground to go to. Liverpool have only lost one game this season. So it was likely to happen. I know we didn't want it to be 4-0 at the end of the day. But we did We did fight. We did fight. We, it's not like we didn't come up and fight. We did try our hardest. So we go to Newcastle next week, try to get a result from there and come back. I think recently we've had, you know... Players like Danny Ceballos or Pablo Mari or William underperforming at Anfield. When it's Saka and Smith-Rowe and Tavares and Laconga, younger players who we've invested in their future rather than you know older players who've come here for a bit of a payday, it's easier to you know give them patience, give them time and um, tolerate getting beat heavily at Anfield. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely and guys make sure you keep leaving your comments make sure you like and subscribe to the Arsenal way we'll have, be having more shows for you the Arsenal agenda will be back on Monday morning so watch out for that but more importantly thank you Harsh actually for joining me it was great despite the loss but guys always a, make pleasure, sure, right? always a pleasure yeah always a pleasure but guys make sure most importantly you keep following us down the Arsenal way Hi, Mikel. What was your uh, assessment of that game and where do you think it went wrong in the second half? But, uh, we competed really well. We stayed in the game the first half. They had their moments. We had our moments. Um, we were really compact. We used the ball in the right way to, to create some situations. Uh, we had a goal disallowed. And then we considered the goal from a set play. And the second half, when we had to again build some momentum and, uh, and start to grow the match, uh, we just throw it away in the first 15-20 minutes and we give every ball away in in very dangerous areas. We had no pressure uh, with pressure and um, and they punished us and after that um, we lose control of the game and um, and they had all the momentum. We spoke this week about 
the lack of experience and the, the, the young players in the team. Do you think that had an impact today that in that loss of composure you speak about after half-time? I don't know. I've seen uh, the biggest teams in the world come here and to this ground and collapse. So it can be. Certain moments, um, I think we were a bit... Uh, insisted when things were not working or when we lost um, some balls in the US that we had to mix our play much better um, but we didn't and um, and that's it they were better than us for 96 minutes and um, and that's the level that's what they've been where they've been they've been together for six years and um, and today you could see the difference the moment that, um, that we lost control of the game um, just lastly for me what happened with Jürgen on the touchline in the first half and do you think that had any impact on the atmosphere and the energy of the of the stadium and the match he was trying to defend his side i was trying to defend mine and uh, that's it i think the atmosphere was incredible right from the beginning so that's it thank you thanks sam come to rob draper yeah hi Mikel. did you find the limits of your team today because it's been such a good run you've had but as you said against the liverpool side it, maybe it's difficult to play as attacking as you did well, um, again, I think that we throw the game again in 15 minutes, um, making exactly what we don't have to do against um, the best team in the league, doing that and and then um, attacking you in short counters when in two, three passes they have their wingers inside your fullbacks and um, and you are completely exposed. And um, it's something that we should have done better and uh, we haven't and that's the reason, apart from others. And that at the moment they are better than us, um, that we lost the game. And are there some, some of the young players that you'll, you'll have to pick up after that? Because it, it, it was hard work for some of those guys in the back four, wasn't it? It was, but uh, it's always it is here. It doesn't matter who do you play, whether it's young or senior. Um, again, I saw all type of players um, suffering this ground when you go 2-0 two, two down, 3-0 down, um, it is very, very difficult and um, and we suffer. But um, it's a learning process and today is a lot of things that we, we should take. But the most important one is after a result like that, the most important now is the next one and forget about this one. And, and lastly, just on Mane, did, did you think he was just being too physical in, in his challenges? Is that why you got upset? I don't know. It was just an action and, uh, and that's it. I tried to defend my players and that's what I did. Thanks, Thanks, Rob. Kaya? Hi, Mikel. I just wanted to ask, how important is it now with this uh, big run of fixtures coming up, so many games so close together, to bounce back from this defeat and not let it spiral into a poor run of four? And that's what the big teams do and the good teams do. And that's what we have to do. On Monday, start again, um, review the match, the things that uh, we should have done better and understand the reason why we lost it. And, uh, and correct them. And that's it. And focus completely on Newcastle now.